Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and per usual, I'm your host. Uh, as always, thank you very much for tuning in. I deeply appreciate any and all support you give the show. Usually that means I'm, you know, look, I gotta do the spiel, gotta do the spiel. I apologize in advance, no one likes to hear it. Like, comment, subscribe, if you've done any and all of that, star rating, written review, and sharing the show around. If you know someone that you think would be interested, point them in our direction. Let me try to win them over. Uh, much, again, my eternal gratitude for all the support you guys give us. Uh, I used to say this more often, but it's still true. Time is our only truly finite resource, and you choose to have me be part of yours. So I thank you very much for that. It means a lot. Probably a shorter show tonight, shorter. Uh, minor UFC event to preview, and then kind of a quiet news week. Um, a lot of the big matches got announced earlier, so we'll see what there is to talk about, but should be a fairly short episode, so... For any of you who use me for long drive times, I apologize. I will only be with you part of the way this time around. All right, let's jump into these. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. UFC on ESPN plus 70. This will be coming your way this Saturday. This is headlined by... I've been kind of bemoaning this card. We actually lost a fight. Um, we were supposed to have on this card Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez, which I would argue is the best fight on the card. Uh, certainly the one I was most interested in. It's a close. That, that was a close one above a flyweight fight that's still on the cards. So we'll talk about that, but uh, that got moved. There's some kind of uh, an elbow infection apparently to Rodriguez, so they've been moved to a November event. Hopefully the fight stays together. It's a good fight. It was nice. I was very much looking forward to it. Your main event: Alexa Grasso and Viviani Araujo. I'm a little torn on this one. Um. Here's my issue with Araujo, and it's been a pretty consistent issue with her. Uh, she's got a good UFC record. She's what five and two. Yeah, she's only lost to Jessica I and Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, her cardio's a bit of an issue. She starts pretty darn fast, and then it's just hard for her to maintain it. So over five rounds, I think that's a potential. Uh, uh, I got to see her over five rounds. She's slightly more well-rounded than Grasso in that uh, her her jujitsu is certainly better. But Grasso seems to kind of have figured stuff out recently. She was undefeated coming into the UFC. Lost to Felice Herrig. Learned a few lessons from that. Lost to Tatiana Suarez a couple of fights later. No shame there. Suarez, I mean, she gets forgotten about because her injuries have just derailed her, but... If she hadn't had the persistent neck issues that she's been dealing with, I think that woman would have been champion. Had a majority decision lost to Carla Esparza, that really should have been a draw. Uh, I think it's, I don't think she won that fight, to be very clear. But I absolutely maintain that fight should have been a draw. I, I, will, I will stand by that one. But she's undefeated since moving to flyweight, 3-0. Coming off of a very good win over Joanne Wood... She's never been five rounds, so that is a bit of a question mark for her, but she's not had the same kind of ups and downs in her output that Araujo has had. Her takedown defense is pretty good. Both women have good power. 
I think Grosso's technique is a little bit smoother. Defense is neither woman's speciality. Um, you might get the next title challenger out of this. Uh, I don't think they'll do an immediate rematch for Tyla Santos, despite her performing very, very uh, capably against Valentina Shevchenko, despite... Uh, I mean, look, I'm not... I'm not one of those people who's going to say, well, if only Valentina were completely healthy, she would have beaten the brakes off of Santos. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but you're the champion. And if you're the champion for a long enough period of time, you're going to show up and you're going to have off nights. And if you can still win on your off nights, you know, that's kind of the goal. And she had kind of an off night against Santos for a variety of reasons. And Santos performed, again, very, very well. But I imagine Santos will get another shot. I just don't think it'll be immediate. She's probably going to have to win one. So you could do the winner of this. Again, could. I... Yeah. I mean, it, it's women's flyweight. Until someone actually beats Valentina, I don't think... I don't think we're going to hold too much scrutiny under who's getting the next shot. I don't like either of these women's chances against uh, Valentina, but... Someone's going to beat her at some point. It is an inevitability if you fight long enough. I mean, you get, Valentina's lost before, so she's not some unbeatable monster. She's just significantly ahead of her peers. In pretty much, in the vast majority of categories, so. As for this fight itself, I'm going to lean towards Grosso. I think her durability, her cardio, she can hang with Araujo as long as she doesn't eat too many flush punches, because Araujo has has pretty good power for the division, especially. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Grosso, but it's it's a relevant enough fight. All right, um, Bantamweight. What the heck? Bantamweight? Really? When did he announce... When did Cub Swanson decide he was dropping to Bantamweight? Was his last fight at Bantamweight? No, his last fight was that win over Darren Elkins. Cub Swanson going to Bantamweight. That's okay. That's a thing. Um, he is fighting Jonathan Martinez. That's a rough fight for Cub. Jonathan Martinez is very good. Um, he's a little bit slower of a starter. I mean, I look, I lo I have an infinite respect for Cub Swanson, and I've been watching that guy for a long time. He shows up to fight every time. But, I, I mean, I picked him to beat Elkins. Because I think Elkins is just way over the hill. But against a young up-and-coming guy like Martinez, I've, I've got to lean towards Martinez here. But uh, Swanson might have something for Martinez, though. I mean, who's the best guy Martinez has beaten? Take a look at his UFC run. Who's the best guy he's beaten? I went over Frankie Signs was nice. It was a good stoppage. Thomas Almeida was pretty well uh, past it. Last two wins, Vince Morales and Alejandro Perez were good. I, and again, Swanson is not what he used to be, but he's a very wily veteran. If he can bait Martinez into some bad exchanges, he hits hard, he punches from awkward angles. Like I said, I, I'm picking Martinez here. But don't sleep on Cub Swanson's chances here. Flyweight, my, your best fight of the night now on paper. 
Brandon Royval and Askar Askarov. This is a darn good fight. This is going to be scrambly. This is going to be awesome. Askarov coming off of his first ever loss. He was defeated by Kai Kara France. Um, he's dealt with injuries. I mean, he was out for a year. From the time he beat Joseph Benavidez, and he beat Benavidez pretty soundly, to that fight with Kara France, um, he was out for a while. Uh, so hopefully he's able to keep a more active schedule. Yeah, he only fought once in 2018. Jeez. Yeah, he's he's not been a terribly active competitor. This is the first time he's fought twice in a calendar year since 2020. Only fought once in 19, once in 18, once in 17. So, I, I'm a pretty big believer in Askarov, but he's got to be a bit more consistent if he wants to actually make a real a real push. Um, Royville, by contrast, has won his last two. He does have losses to Brandon Moreno and Alessandre Pantoja, both of which were not terribly competitive. I mean, he wasn't... I hate to say it that way, because um, I believe his shoulder dislocated in the... Was it the Moreno fight where that happened? I feel like that's, that's the one where... I feel like that happened to him. Um, is it this... This is the mo fight I'm most interested in now. He, This will be scrambly. This will be awesome. I'm leaning towards Askarov. You know, I think very, very highly of him. But keep your eye on that one. That that should be a good one. Middleweights, Dushko Todorovic and Jordan Wright. How do I feel about this one? Todorovic has all of one UFC win. Got knocked out brutally by Chidi and Jaquani his last fight. Right, same kind of boat. Um, he's two and three in the UFC. Wins over Ike Villanueva and Jamie Pickett. That was a cut stoppage against Villanueva. Got choked up by Mark Andre Barrio his last time out. I'm gonna pick Todorovic. Um, that's what we have for the main card at the moment. Prelims. Misha Serkinov back at light heavyweight taking on Alonzo Menafield. Man, Serkinov. Guy had a world of potential at one point or another, and then a couple of back-to-back -back losses just completely seems to have derailed him. Um, coming off a loss to Wellington Terman. Manafield's been real up and down in the UFC, but at this point, I think there's just less mileage on him. I mean, Serkinov might be able to take him down and get him out of there in fairly, in relatively short order. Menafield's not the best grappler, but I don't know that Serkinov's chin is where it needs to be at this point. I'm going to go with Menafield. Uh, bantamweights, Brandon Davis and Leomana Martinez. <sighs> Davis is a weird one. He's shown some ability, but... I don't know the bantamweight's the right weight class for him. And then again, Mana Martinez has not exactly set the world on fire. Uh, I think I am going to lean towards Davis, but I expect I will not be shocked one iota if I'm wrong there. 
Uh, middleweights, Nick Maximov against Jacob Malkoon. I expect Maximov to take Malkoon down, hold him down, lay and pray for three rounds, and then do the Nick Diaz thing. Yeah, I want a real fight. Yeah. Malkoon coming off a loss to Brandon Allen. Yeah, this is... Uh, Maximov's coming off of his first loss. Andre Petrovsky caught him in that nice anaconda choke, actually. But this seems like a bit of a rebound fight for Maximov. Rafael Asensio still kicking around. Man, he's on a rough run. Lost four in a row, finished in three of them, knocked out in the last two. Hasn't fought in almost a year. Um, he's fighting Victor Henry. I'm going to pick Asensio here, but this is his last stand, man. If he drops this one, he's got to be out of the promotion. Uh, strawweight, Sam Hughes and Piero Rodriguez. I feel like I should pick Rodriguez here. Sam Hughes has been very, very meh. Huh. Confusing Sam Hughes with someone else. I don't think I am. I'm going to go with Rodriguez there, but again, I might be wrong about that one. Flyweights, Tatsuro Tyra and CJ Vergara. I'm actually going to go with Tyra here. I've well, I had some pretty high expectations for his UFC debut. He did pretty well in it. Uh, Tyra's someone people are going to sleep on, but he's pretty good. And kicking... We have another fight here somewhere. I'm going to assume it's not going to kick off the entire event. I assume this fight will. At welterweight, God help us all, Mike Jackson. The man who defeated CM Punk in the worst fight of that year. I want to say it was 2019. Terrible fight. Just terrible. Then failed a drug test, so that's technically a no contest. Oh, yeah, then he had the, um... Sorry, that's not the one he's coming off of. He's coming off of his first official win that actually stood. Um, he... Uh, Dean Barry got disqualified for repeated eye pokes slash gouges in their fight. It was kind of, look, if we're going by the optics, it was not a good performance from Mike Jackson. He got the crap beat out of him. Do I think he was looking for a way out when he said he couldn't see after being gouged in the eye? Yeah, a little bit. Do I blame him? No. Look, Dean Barry, you don't want that to be a problem? Don't gouge him in the eye. If you're just punching him in the head, there's not a problem here and you win. No. I don't blame a guy who gets fouled for not being able to continue fighting after you've been fouled. How about don't foul the guy? Just a thought. There's a there's a big problem in MMA in general, but this extends to a lot of the kind of composite elements. Where we kind of think, you know, hey, you, you got fouled, but you should be a man and fight through it. Like, no! How about don't foul the guy? How about we fight? How about we abide by the rules? Yeah, that is that unreasonable. Suddenly, you'll scream bloody murder about failed drug tests. I did, for the record. But eh, well, an eye gouge. The guy should have fought through it. Come on, have a little consistency. Uh, he's fighting Pete Rodriguez. I am not picking Mike Jackson to win a fight. I'm not doing it. This is the only guy on the UFC roster. Who I think if you gave me, if you gave me a couple of months, I could probably get into shape and be a similar competitive level. And that's not me bragging on myself, okay? 
I say that about no one else on the roster. I don't know why he's still there. I was very surprised they did not find a, they did not release him after that last fight. Uh, picking Rodriguez, I, I don't pick Mike Jackson to win fights. I might have picked him to beat CM Punk, now that I think about it. But other than that, and there is a fight that will be on here somewhere: Joanderson Brito and Lucas Alexander. Not too many problems picking Brito in the dark, picking Brito there, but. That's not a bad fight. So that's the card as it currently stands. It will be coming your way Saturday, October 15th. I will be covering it in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. So please do stop by and say hello. I always appreciate it. It's not great on paper. There's some stuff there. Look, Grosso and Outer Ujo is not the fight I would headline this card with, but the UFC is choosing to do so. Swanson and Martinez has some potential. Royval and Askarov is a darn good fight. I said this before, if we, if we still had Rodriguez and Magny on this card, like, Rodriguez and Magny, Royval and Askarov and Swanson and Martinez is a very good top three fights for a card, especially for an Apex card. Um, the rest of it, like, there's not a whole lot else there. But, you know, those couple of fights, uh, again, that ba- the Bantamweight and Flyweight fights, those are the co-main and featured fight. Those are good fights. Those are very good fights. Hopefully they hold together. Oh. Yeah, I told you, not going to be a long one. That took no time at all. There's not, there's just not a lot terribly interesting to discuss about this card before it actually happens. So let's move on to news such as it exists. Again, not a whole lot here, but we're going to have a real short episode this time. Um, Alistair Overeem, the former UFC title contender, the strike, former Strike Force heavyweight champion, Dream heavyweight champion, former Glory uh, he's a glory heavyweight champion of some variety, I want to say. Might have been a tournament champion, but something. Um, he fought in uh, a glory event. He took on Badr Hari, the third fight between the two of them. They were one and one before this. And one of the more dramatic fights you'll see in kickboxing, uh, maybe not the most, but one of the more. Kickboxing has open scoring. Glory does. And I am of the, look, I'm of the opinion that I would like to see MMA have, try some open scoring. I don't buy into the, no, I want the drama BS. Like, if you do, fine. I don't care. I'd like to see it play out and see how it affects the viewing experience. I would like to have actual data on this and get a better opinion other than simply assuming how I'm going to react. Um, and, And frankly... If the fighters want open scoring, they should have it. They're the ones risking life, limb, and money. You, me, fans, nah. Don't care. Media, don't care. I don't even really care about the promoter in this case. This is one of those things that I feel should 100% be up to the people who are the most impacted by it, and that's the fighters. But because of the open scoring, we knew going into the last round that... Uh, uh, that Badrhari was up. And I think he was up two points. So Overeem would have needed a 10-8. Uh, he might have been up only the one point. He was up enough that um, Overeem need, could not just win the round and win the fight. He needed a 10-8 for a draw. And Overeem proceeded to batter Badrhari in that last round and dropped him twice. And got the 10-7 and got the decision in 
consequently. Uh, fun little fight. Those two have had some good fights before. Uh, after the match, Rico Verhoeven got in the cage, uh, the ring rather, and kind of got face-to-face with Overeem. Sure, I don't like Overeem's chances against Rico, but they're both Dutch. Go for it. Um, I would be okay with that. Uh, man, Alistair Overeem has had just one of those careers I don't think people fully appreciate. Until you kind of see it all laid out, because he had these important stumbles that kind of prevented him from achieving uh, kind of the universal acclaim. But look at who that man has fought. Let me, just for the sake of argument, if I only, I mean, if we just limit this to MMA for half a second here. I'll, I'll talk about his kickboxing in just a second, but if we just look at who he has fought in MMA... Um, this guy fought Chuck Liddell uh, back when Chuck was kind of in his prime. He fought Little Nog, Vigor, uh, Vitor Belfort, Igor Vovchanchin, Shogun, Fabricio Verdum. He fought Vitor Belfort. He fought both Vitor and Little Nog more than once. Like, he fought Shogun like twice. He fought uh, Sergei Karatanov, Mark Hunt, Mirko Krokop. Kazuki Fujita, Todd Duffy, Fabricio Verdum, again, he again fought him twice, Brock Lesnar, Bigfoot Silva, Frank Mir, Ben Rothwell, Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, Stipe Miocic, he fought Mark Hunt more than once, he fought Verdum three times in total, jeez, Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, Josinia Rosenstreich, Augustus, like, this guy fought everyone, he fought legends, and he fought a lot of them more than once. If we move into kickboxing, this guy has fought some of the best kickboxers. Again, he has a winning record against Badr Hari. He beat Peter Ertz. Beat Tyrone Spong. He beat Gokun Saki. Saki's a little bit past it at that point in time. Uh, he lost to Remy Bojanski, but he fought him. And this is obviously his kickboxing record here that I'm looking at is not complete. I mean, this guy over his, in t- over his career... And his kickboxing career dates back to l- the late 90s. His MMA, de- his MMA career too. His MMA debut was in October of 1999. Yeah, one of those guys who started fighting professionally before 9/11. Not many of those guys still around. Uh, and look, you can make whatever jokes you want to about uh, his supplement use or. Uh, PEDs. I don't care. Not really. Uh, I don't. So he fought in Pride for a big chunk of his career where there was no drug testing, and there's no real drug testing in kickboxing. So what rules is he breaking? Uh, again, when you when he was fighting for the UFC and was fighting under and my only gripe again, if you agree to fight under certain terms, you should meet those terms. But this. This guy's been around forever. He keeps fighting. He keeps winning. He's one of the all-time... He is one of the greats. I can't necessarily say the all-time... Like, He's not the greatest. But he is an all-timer, and I think people aren't going to really appreciate what he did and is still doing until after it's done. Just my hunch there on that. So he might have a date with Rico Verhoeven. Again, I I say go for it. I, I don't like his chances, but... Whatever. 
Um, okay, what else do we have? Jeez, I might be out of here in under 30 minutes. Dang. Slow week. What do you want me to do? All right. Uh, Frankie Edgar, the legend, former UFC lightweight champion, fought at featherweight, fought for the featherweight title twice, came up short both times against Jose Aldo, uh, bantamweight competitor at the moment. He's announced his retirement fight. He'll be fighting Chris Gutierrez at the upcoming event in Madison Square Garden. I love Frankie. Um, I'm not going to say uh, anything bad about him in the in this case. Here's, I don't even necessarily hate this fight. Here's my only gripe about it. It's a shame this couldn't have been Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz. It's a real shame. I find that fight endlessly fascinating on paper. Even a diminished version of Frankie, which we've got. Even a diminished version of Cruz, which we've got. Uh, it's unfortunate that it went this way. I don't know if the U... I mean, the UFC does not give fighters graceful exits. They just don't. Um, I don't know if that's... I, I don't know who is more responsible for that, whether fighters don't necessarily want graceful exits, or the UFC just would rather feed the old guy who's, you know, got, still got some name value to a guy they might think might have a bit of a future. But, you know, Frankie, one more fight in Madison Square Garden. He's from the area. He's from New Jersey. So I wish him all the best. You know, I'm, Frankie's turned in some of the best fights you'll see. He's turned in some truly spectacular fights. Uh, his title fights with Gray Maynard... I actually think really highly of his first fight with Benson Henderson. Um, his second fight with BJ Penn is a... That was a shellacking. He really kind of ragdolled BJ Penn. After maybe not deserving that first win. I still scored that fight for him, but there's some... One judge gave Frankie all five rounds in that first fight with Penn, and that's... I don't agree with that at all. Um, his first fight with Jose Aldo is, uh, that's a great fight. You know, the guy has just been in the trenches. I mean, his, his UFC debut, that fight with um, Tyson Griffin. If you haven't seen that, look it up, man. It's a good fight. You know, he's just been one of those guys. And if he's ready to move on, I wish him nothing but the best. And I will give his career a more appropriate eulogy when he officially retires. All right, that's kind of what I got this week. Let me check, see if anything, if there's any news I might have missed, if anything's broken while I've been recording. If not, yeah, we're going to be out of here in about 30 minutes, so let's have a look. And if not, then yeah, we'll do plugs. Uh, I got a couple of quick things I can talk about here, I guess. Uh, the UFC is looking at booking Shavkat Rachmana versus Jeff Neal for early of next early next year. Yes. Uh, it's not a main event, apparently. I think that's going to be on a card main evented by Kelvin Gastelum and Nasruddin Imovov. Neil and Rachmanov should be main eventing over that. I like Kelvin Gastelum well enough, but he's not in a position where he should be main eventing cards at this point. He's just not. Um, oh, I suppose this will be somewhat humorous. So, Daniel Cormier you all know, was the special guest referee for what wound up being the main event for a WWE pay-per-view or whatever they're calling them these days. Uh, yesterday, a match between Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. And, um, look, Daniel Cormier has never been a svelte man. 
and that's fine. It's not his body type. Fair enough. I'm. But man, did he get murdered? Just murdered <laughs> for his appearance. Uh, I mean, look, the guy, even out of, even you know, not in fighting shape necessarily, could still destroy the entire WWE locker room. Like he's he's that good. And is there anyone other than Matt Riddle in the WWE right now who has like a legitimate combat sports kind of background to them? Uh, let me take a second here, because Roman doesn't. Played football, which is very physically demanding. Uh, let me be very clear with what I'm about to say. This is not a knock on it. Professional wrestling is not a combat sport. It's not competitive. It's a collaborative, physical, artistic endeavor that is very, very difficult. And I have utmost, I've said this before, man, anybody who can do that job, that's a hard job. Just because it's not competitive in the way that you know, MMA or boxing or whatnot is, amateur wrestling, just because it's not competitive doesn't mean it's not physically demanding. You can go, go take a chop from Walter slash Gunther and then tell me how fake it is. He'll hit you as hard as he hit Sheamus, I guarantee you that. Probably not a whole lot harder either, but <laughs> very physically demanding. But how many of them actually have? So Brock, I mean, sort of Brock. I don't know if he's around anymore. I would pick DC over Brock. DC now over Brock now, though? Prime DC over Prime Brock, I'd pick DC. Current? I might still pick DC. Brock's chin, and Brock's reaction to getting hit is just not great. Riddle. Um, but, okay. Roman doesn't. Rollins doesn't. Um, you know, major champions. Gunther doesn't. Sheamus doesn't. Uh, Bobby Lashley. Okay, Lashley. Because Lashley's fought. Not at the high, uh, highest level? Not at the highest level, but he's fought for major organizations and been successful. I would favor Cormier to beat Lashley, I think. I think it's pretty fair. Um, that, that Right now, that might be more tough than you might think, though. Uh, but who else? No one in Judgment Day. None of the... No one in the Bloodline. Not Kevin Owens. Yeah, it's just... It's just not a thing at the moment. Um, and look, that's fine. Again, this is not... I am not insulting the current WWE roster for not coming from a competitive athletic background you come to that you come to the endeavor of professional wrestling from whatever you come to it from some come from a competitive background and dovetail into it some don't and that's fine if you're good at professional wrestling that's really all you need to be and how you got there is somewhat secondary but it, it cormier's kind of let himself go a little bit since he retired and, and again he was never a thin guy and that's fine again not body shaming the man i'm stating fact even as he is now, look, could he beat me one-handed? Yeah, he absolutely could. So, n not going, you know, boy, he, you know, he suddenly sucks. I don't think he sucks, but he uh, he maybe should have hit a bit of a diet before going out for that because he, uh, yeah, again, he got murdered by so many comments. Did the job admirably enough. Um... It did the referee's job admirably enough. 
Didn't quite Dr. Hibbert his way through it the way I was worried he does commentary, but he didn't get to talk a whole lot either, so. And I suppose that's a thing that happened. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what I got. Again, it's been a real slow week, guys. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I've not had a lot. So, let's do plugs and then let's get out of here. All right. Uh, this week, Damn You Hollywood Monday, special Monday edition. Myself, Mark Radlich, and Sean Comer will review the new Hellraiser movie, which dropped on Hulu this last weekend. Uh, my brief thoughts. I hope you tune in for the full show, of course. It's nice to have an entry into that franchise that doesn't kick you in the teeth. I love the Hellraiser franchise, the IP, right? The last several years of stuff related to that have just been the worst. So even a movie that is competently mediocre, I think is kind of where I've landed on this, as a general rule. Again, there's specifics of there's specific elements that better and worse. But just something that doesn't suck feels like a cause for celebration. <laughs> so the three of us will get together and review that movie. Um, there's something else on Tuesday. I don't think I'm part of it, though. Let me double check my calendar here. Um, yeah, the Werewolf by Night thing is Tuesday. I'm not reviewing that. So my only other podcast this week will be the Hellraiser review. Next week, busier, actually. So the week of the 16th to the 22nd, I've got a Damn You Hollywood and a TV party and a couple of other... Okay, that's another thing. Um, yep. October's weird. Mark's had to... We had to schedule some stuff differently than usual. But Hellraiser on Monday. Should be a good discussion. Hope you'll tune in for it. My usual spate of professional wrestling coverage this week. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. If MLW is back to releasing content, as they occasionally threaten to do, I will be covering that on Thursday. That's when it usually airs. And WWE SmackDown on Friday. They are continuing their build to Crown Jewel. So, yeah. More Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. Oi. You know, in fairness to Logan Paul, the guy's a natural fit for professional wrestling. He's got the athleticism. He he works a crowd exceptionally well. He's genuinely a better professional wrestler than Dominic Mysterio. Straight up. So I'm... It's just very, very obvious that some Shakes kid knows who Logan Paul is and thinks, boy, wouldn't it be cool if he got a title shot when they come to us, when my father, who's a very important person, a very rich person here in Saudi Arabia, is able to kind of dictate to WWE what they do, at least what they bring. But, I mean, Roman's going over. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. So I'll be covering SmackDown on Friday. Tune in for any of that. All of that will be in the, MMA, the Wrestling Zone of 411 Mania if you want to read my reports, follow along live for the ones that I do live. Saturday, UFC on ESPN plus 70. That would be in the MMA zone of 411 Mania. We'll be back here next week to review UFC on ESPN plus 70. And we shall preview UFC 280. The big pay-per-view. They're back in Abu Dhabi. Double title fight. Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev. Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. Peter Yan and Sean O'Malley. 
Benil Dayush and Mateus Gamrot. Boy, that's a good main card. Okay, Caitlin Chukagi and Manon Fiore, I could take or leave. That's most, which I can do with pretty much every Caitlin Chukagi in fight. But if Fiore wins that, I'll say this. If Fiore wins that, she might be next. Like, between... If Chukagian wins, I don't think she'll get another shot at Valentina, kind of pursuant to how she wins. Whoever wins most impressively between that fight and then our main event coming up with um, Grosso and Araujo, it's a little bit up in the air who gets the next title shot, I think. But I think if Fior wins, I don't even think she'd have to win all that impressively. As long as it's not controversial, she might get the next shot. So full preview of that card next week. Um, it's not a bad card on paper, guys. I mean, even top to bottom, it's not bad. What's the worst fight on here as it currently stands? Maybe Lena Landsberg and Carol Hosa? Okay. I can't even necessarily hate on Shamil Abdurahimov and Jailton Almeida, because Almeida's been a bit of a dynamo. Um, Okay. It's If it's not Abdurahimov and Almeida, because heavyweights, it's probably Krylov and Uzdemir, because I think both guys are a little bit more washed than we think they are. Um, Zubair Tukhugov, he might turn in a stinker. That guy, very uneven performances. Anywho, full preview next week, as I mentioned, so tune in for that. More content next week, I promise. Not not Won't be a short. Will not be a short. All right. But that's it for me this week, guys. As always, thank you very, very much. Stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.